0: Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. It is always super fun to come to Fondren Church here at 6 p.m. And, you know, um, I felt like Lazarus today like, Father, there's going to need to be a resurrection to get me out of this bed uh, after Sunday service. And then that Saints win. Oh, my goodness. What? Who died is going to beat them Saints? Not the Atlanta Falcons. That is for sure. But what a game and what a comeback. That was fun. Uh, and then I felt the shrimp quesadilla that my wife cooked for me settle in. And I took a nap that was heavy. Uh, but by God's grace, we made it here. And I will be honest and say, every single time I come to our Fondren campus, there is an energy and a life that hits me as soon as I walk through the doors. Uh, what God's doing here is amazing. Even like, and I'm just going I'm just, t- I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it, and I know, like, we have multiple campuses, and it's kind of like children—you love each one. Uh, but I am hearing that, like, the ten o'clock service is like hype <laughs> here at Fondren with people like responding and shouting and all of those types of things. And so I'll say uh, I give thanks for what God is doing at this campus. And of course, um, for everyone listening by podcast too, we know you're in the room without being in the room. We want to say hello to you. Uh, And one day I'd like to get some cameras here where we could stream um, even this and and get this out there for the world to see. Uh, We've been studying the life of Moses and looking at the children of Israel. Why? Because Hebrews 3. and four tells us to. Now, one of the things we just read, and this is why it's so important to read scripture, is uh, even tonight, some of you would be like, well, I wish I could like see God. Like, because everybody says, this is God, and this is God, and this is God, and this is God. And everybody's got a different opinion of who God is. Like who really has seen God, or who really knows God? And it's like scripture instructs us, if you want to see what the image of God is, look at Jesus. Uh, read Matthew, Mark Luke, and Luke and John, and see his life and In watching Jesus, you can see who God is. it is God with flesh, and that 's why knowing Scripture is so important. And one of the things that the New Testament tells us to do is to go back and study Moses and to study the children of Israel because the process that God led them through is the same process God is leading us through. And where many of them died without ever getting into their promised land, Scripture tells us that if we will learn our lessons from them instead of having to live them for ourselves, we can make it into our promised land, that there is still yet a rest for the people of God. And I don't know about you, I am very interested in getting in the promised land that God has for me. Uh, And so we want to read these scriptures, and we want to study the life of Moses. And last week we talked about the plagues, like why would God send plagues? And if you you missed that, I want to encourage you to go back and look at it. Um, But we talked about how God is a righteous judge, and judgment is neither good or bad. Um, It's indifferent. Uh, What judgment is, is a revelation of the seed that you have sown, And you can sow good seed. And when judgment comes on good seed, you reap a beautiful harvest. But you can sow bad seed. And if you sow bad seed, when judgment comes on bad seed, you will reap a terrible harvest. Um, And so out of this, what we see happening to Pharaoh and the, the nation of Egypt was a revelation of the seed that they had sown. And out of that, we said in our lives that we all are sowing seed every day in the way we treat people, every day in the way that we talk, every day in the way that we live. We're not just living life. We are sowing seed. And so out of that, uh, if you want to change your life in the future, sow better seed today. But we said through Jesus, there is a way out, even if you have sown bad seed, that through the blood of Jesus, you can see the consequence of your sin fall upon the Lord Jesus and receive mercy and grace for a time of need. No matter who you are or where you are, you can see mercy. Uh, And so this is always what's important in our lives is to to look at these things. And so right after we see the the plagues come, uh, finally, Pharaoh's like, you can go. And when they go, the very next thing that happened, I almost skipped this, but I really felt like the Holy Spirit was like, go back and definitely teach on that. So here we are tonight. That before they left, the nation of Egypt stripped off of themselves their gold and their silver and their their earrings and rings and all these other types of things and literally put it on the children of Israel. And um, I want to talk about tonight God and money. I know this is everybody's favorite subject. Uh, But we're going to be obedient to the Spirit of the Lord, and I want to show you some things that I think will, will bless you and challenge you. So let's go over to the book of Exodus. This is where we're looking at tonight, Exodus chapter 3. And let's look at specifically what God told Moses when he was raising him up to go bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, one thing that's important is you understand the old through the new. So the old is a type and shadow of the New Testament. And this is true even with the story of the children of Israel. Uh, there's tons of symbolism there. So one thing in the Old Testament represents something in the New Testament. Uh, for example, uh, the tabernacle was made up of three parts. You are made up of three parts. The outer court is your flesh. The inner court is your mind. The Holy of Holies is your spirit. Uh, so that's a type and a shadow of who you are today. Pharaoh is a type and shadow of Satan. He's the evil taskmaster who does not want to let you go and he will do whatever he can do to keep you under his rule and reign. He wants to make your life harder. He wants to make you addicted, addicted to whatever he can make you addicted to. Food, drugs, alcohol, uh, sex. Yes, I said sex. Uh, all of us. I, I, well, like, I know we have some kids, but like, I, I figure most of us are adults. And anyway, well, I won't keep going there or my wife will talk to me later. Uh, so out of, <laughs> And so out of these things, he will do whatever he can do to keep you under his reign. He's the type and shadow of Satan. And right when you think you're, you're, you're being let go of, he'll try to come back and snatch you back. And right when you think, oh, we could see progress, he'll try to come and snatch you back, because Pharaoh's a type and shadow of Satan. Um, Egypt is a type and shadow of your life in sin. And what's amazing is you read the children of Israel, when they're out of sin, what did they often look back towards? Egypt, their life of sin. And in that life, they were complete slaves. Like they had no control over everything, but it was just sweet enough. Oh, come on, somebody. When they look back at Egypt, they they dreamed of the melons they ate there. And they're like, it was just sweet enough. I think we should go back. And that's the type and shadow of what you'll face is when you're coming out of the kingdom of darkness. Don't think it's strange when there's something there trying to lure you back to where you came from because you remember like some of those things you used to have that was just sweet enough. But if you ever had the sense enough where you could look at, well, it was just sweet enough, but I was in bondage to it. Like there, there was nothing there that was ministering life. Uh, But the same issue that the children of Israel had will be the same issue that we have, that, that, that constant desire sometimes to look back and how that needs to be disciplined to look forward. Egypt is a type and shadow of sin. The wilderness is a type and shadow of God bringing us through testing, trying our faith as silver and gold are tried. Uh, perfecting it, getting worry out of us, getting sin out of us, uh, deepening our character, you know, all of those types of things. And that's what we'll talk about in the next couple of weeks if we keep following this progression. Uh, The cloud by day and fire by night, what's that a a type and shadow of? The Holy Spirit. Follow the cloud. Wherever he goes, that's where you need to go. Uh, In in, in the, the, the New Testament, you see the Holy Spirit coming as a flame of fire above each head. Um, And so the, the fire by night is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. And literally his instruction with that cloud was, is don't make a move until it moves. Because wherever it is, provision, oh, come on somebody, wherever the cloud is, provision will be right there. And so if it doesn't move, don't you move. If it doesn't go forward, don't you go forward. If it doesn't go over there, don't you go over there. Wherever the cloud is and wherever the the fire is by night, that's where you should be. It's a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. Moses and Joshua are types and shadows of Jesus, the one who are paying the price and pleading with God on your behalf to bring you over into the promised land. All of these things are types and shadows um, of New Testament things. Uh, and uh, one of the things that is a type and shadow of where we are is something called the promised land. And I want you to see what the promised land was and kind of the gist of how it is referred to. And many of you know this, but I want us to study it because I think it's important that we have a good context of this. Notice in Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 7, 6. Yes. Yes. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, surely I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. So God, once again, look at this in type and shadows. God is looking at the affliction in your sin, how your sin is afflicting you, even though there's sweet moments, how your sin is afflicting you. And he says, I am coming to get you out of that. Um, So I'm coming down unto Egypt to bring you out of that land uh, for uh, having given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. Notice sin always has taskmasters, something that tries to rule over you, something that tries to make you move. And this is I want to illustrate once again the importance of like what we just did. And I felt like I didn't communicate it quite well when I got up here to exhort. But notice the difference here is that with God, it's a voluntary kingdom. Like with God, you can have as much of him as you want. But if you want to turn back to go to Egypt, he will let you go. But when you're under Pharaoh, if you want to leave, he will not let you go. If you do not want to work, he will make you work. In fact, if you don't go to work, he's like, I will make your work harder and I will up your work. Uh, And this is a type and shadow of what sin will do versus being in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, you want a king? I'll let you have a king. Even if it it sends leanness to your own soul. I don't want a prisoner. I want a son and a daughter. I want someone to fellowship with me. And I don't want someone who's just constantly afraid of me. I want someone who loves me and understands that I love them. And you can't have love without choice. Uh, And so out of this, this is the beauty of, like, I choose you. And so he's like, I'm trying to bring them out from underneath this task and this master that's trying to rule over them. And he keeps going here. For I am aware of their sufferings. Verse 8. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, from the power of basically sin and the devil in your life, and to bring you up from that land to a good and spacious land to a land flowing with milk and with honey. Uh, this is the promised land, a good and spacious land, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. Now, uh, when you do research on like, well, what in the world does that mean, milk and honey? It's talking about substance and desire, milk being something that comes from livestock. So you've got livestock, which will give you strength, livestock that will help you grow, livestock that will you know, put meat on your bones, all those types of things, substance. A honey, desire. You don't need it, but it's sweet. But notice the difference between this type of sweet. It's like a sweet that God is giving you. And he's like, I want to give you things that are desirable, and I want to give you things where you have substance. I want to give you the desires of your heart, but I want to give you the strength you need to run your race. And I'm going to bring you to a land like this. Not only does he tell them this, but watch what he tells them next. And it came to pass after the, um, uh, the plagues hit in verse number 19. He says this, uh, Exodus 3 and 19. But I know that the king of Egypt, so this is talking about, you know, Pharaoh, who's a type and shadow of the devil, will not permit you to go except under compulsion. So I will stretch forth my hand and I will strike Egypt or sin with all of my miracles, which I will do in the midst of it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will grant this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go, you will not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask her neighbor and the woman who lives in her house, articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing, and you will put them on your sons and your daughters. Thus you will plunder the Egyptians. Uh, So notice whose idea was this. It was God's. It was not, um, you know, man coming to God and being like, I'd like a good and spacious land and a land flowing with both substance and desire. And oh, by the way, I'd like all the stuff that they have. It's like God coming to them and saying, I will bless you with this. I will bring you into this. My Holy Spirit will lead you over into this. And this was all God's plan. Now, once again, this is a type and shadow of what God wants for us is that God wants for us a life that is free from sin. God wants a life for us where we are no longer under the taskmaster, which is Satan, uh, that we have been transferred out of his kingdom, uh, that I am now willfully obeying him. God wants to lead me through a wilderness, uh, which uh, we'll talk about that. That's not overly fun, but it is worth it. And you go through the wilderness where your character is deepened, your dependency is deepening. Worry and fear are things that you're offering on the sacrifice. You're watching God brings provision. You're watching God bring a supply. You're watching God blow your mind on how he does it. And he's saying, I'm bringing you all through this. But the end goal is to bring you not only to myself, but the end goal is to bring you over into a place where you have everything you need to run your race. Whether it is substance that you need for strength or desire, this is my goal for you. Now, one of the things that used to irritate me so much, um, and the Holy Spirit has helped me not be as irritated as much, uh, but oftentimes in Christianity, I see extremism, and maybe you have seen this as well. Uh, And so you'll have people like come on one side of the extreme or the other. Uh, And very seldom is it uh, the case where you find something in the middle of the road. And so this is true, like with all kinds of things. Um, There was um, a huge teaching on grace. And my word, we need teaching on the grace of God. But literally, it got so far over to this side that we had actually somebody years ago come in the church and preach on that there's no need to repent anymore. Seriously. Seriously. And I had to get up at the end of it and be like, ah, we still got to repent. <laughs> like uh, New Testament, Book of Revelations, every church actually needed to repent. Like every single one of them. Uh, and that type of thing. Like repentance is still this, this course. And it's not condemnation. Repentance is not coming to this place where I'm, I'm feeling like the need for condemnation. It's, it's just saying, you know what, I do need to take my life in a different direction. And by God's grace, I will. And his grace is, is there. But I can't just be the perpetual Judas who just sins and sins and sins and sins and sins, never repents and expect it'll go well for me. It will not go well for you. Uh, and that type of thing, because the wages of sin is still death. Uh, but so we have extremism that comes in the body of Christ. And oftentimes this happens, especially among charismatic circles, where things are just extreme on every level. I read a book years ago called by Donald G. called The Pentecostal Experience. And he was talking about this, that even in his day, like 40s and 50s, all this extremism. But then he said something, I never forgot it. He said, I have found that God often uses extremism. That the body of Christ is so far on the ditch on this end, that a wave of doctrine will pop up, uh, that will, will be so far on the other end, it actually pulls the body of Christ center. And when he said that, I'm like, I get that. And so now I just kind of watch extremism kind of come, and I'm like, that's, that's, I see what, what this is working here and what it will do in the body of Christ. And so it doesn't irritate me near like it used to. But when it comes to this issue of money, um, you have so many extremes in the body of Christ. And what I want to do for you today is to kind of show you exactly what happened here in Exodus and lead you in the goodness of our Father, but also the warnings he would give about that goodness, which is very interesting. So on one side of the extremism, you've probably heard prosperity teach where it's like you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. And then after you get that car, you get a nicer car and 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 you get a bigger house and you get a and so forth and so on. And there's nothing wrong with nice cars or big houses or these types of things. We'll talk about that in a minute. But what it did is even with the subject of giving, it turned into us chasing the blessing. Uh, So, for example, um, King Solomon, I mentioned this at at Highland Colony one service um, and, you know, the crowd was silent. Uh, But anyway, (laughs) uh, with, uh, uh, you know, King Solomon, you have um, uh, him come and God's like, I'll give you anything, anything you want. Because Solomon came out of love and devotion and offered up all these sacrifices. And, you know, what did Solomon ask for? Wisdom. And God comes and says, well, because you asked for wisdom, I will give you all the things that everybody else would have asked for. You know, gold, long life, victory. I'll give you all these things that everybody else would ask for. And so now we've been taught that story. And so we come to God and we're like, we want wisdom. But it's not really what we want, right? We want all the things we think asking for wisdom will get us. It's not really wisdom we want. It's like, but I think if I ask for wisdom, I'll get long life, money, and like victory. And so our motive is not the same motive. Our motive is twisted over into something that is selfish in nature. And it's us thinking, I will work to be my provider instead of trusting my provider. And it's the same with giving and, and money and all these resources. It turned into something where it's like, send us $50 and we'll give you oil from the Lebanon trees and like, you know, holy water from, you know, the Jordan and like all these other types of things. And it, it turned into something that literally I saw it go to such extremes as like, I'm not passing a bucket and I'm not even mentioning the offering. Uh, And these types of things, because I did not want that to creep over into our church where it's just solely over about what God can do for us. That giving at its core is the prioritization of our heart of saying, God, I understand that possessions can overtake my heart in such a way that I crave the objects of this world more than I crave you. And this is the original sin. The original sin is picking the creation over the creator. Picking what God would give me and could give me over than God Himself. It's not about an apple, it's about creation. And out of that, I'm choosing you before I'm choosing this. And 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 I really wanted to get that into our culture and to get that over into Word of Life as a body. That, like, the chief and foremost reason we give is because we love God and we love his kingdom. We love him and we want to see his kingdom done. We want to see churches planted and missionaries provided for. Like, and this is a big part of what we're doing by giving up our substance. We are showing God our substance will not be our Lord. Uh, that, that money will not control us. Uh, but oftentimes, um, I, I have felt like, at the same time where I feel like we've kind of done that, I have also left a lot of God's word also off the table. And there is a balancing act to this, because when I know the fatherhood of God in his own nature, it is to take you to a place where not only is his heart yours, But also you are seeing his heart represented through your desire Uh, and that your desires are being met and that your needs are being met. And you are seeing the wonderful goodness of God displayed for you in your financial affairs and in your life. You're seeing water come from rocks and manna falling from heaven and you're seeing uh, like people walk back with the fruit from the promised land and being like that looks so good and it not being a bad thing in your life. And so this is constantly the balancing act for me because we see this was God's will uh, and God's desire for his people of I want to bring you into a spacious land. I want to bring you into a land that flows with milk and honey. I want to bring you over into a place that is just good for you where substance is there and desire is met. And then he shows them this by when they're leaving and they're not even in the land yet, but they're leaving. And it's like, I am so much more blessed than I ever could have imagined. Like they're looking at their children and he's like specific of, put it on your children. And like they're watching their children be blessed and they're blessed. And it's like, this is awesome. But you know what they did with that? All that gold, all that silver that they were given. You know what they did that? Some of you said, who's your pastor? I I heard you all the way back there. Uh, You know what they did with that? They turned it over into an idol. Moses goes up onto the mountain to, to serve God. And he's there like getting the Ten Commandments and all these types of things. And God's like, you better get back down there. And when he gets back down there, you know what he sees that they've done? All of this gold that God gave them, which let's just stop right there. Who made gold? Uh, Beaches, lakes, mountains, streams, woods. You know, God made it. And not only did God make it, but after he made it, what did he call it? Good. He did not call it bad. He knew you would like it. He didn't make it for himself. He made beautiful things because he knew you would like it. And by the way, uh, God, he walks on layers of gold. (laughs) So uh, he doesn't mind if you have it. If he did, he'd be a hypocrite. Um, And that type of, right? Uh, Come on, don't get religious on me. He's got a gate made out of one pearl. Like like God made all of these things um, and put them in the earth, called it good, and gave it to his man, Adam. But when did Adam miss it? When he chose it over God. When he chose the creation over the creator. When he gave in to the lust of the flesh more than a love for God. And it hurt him. And the same thing happens here is God gives these people gold and possessions, literally places it on their children. God literally places it on their children, and they take it off of their children, they take it off of themselves, they put it in the fire, and they make a golden calf, and they start worshiping the gold that God gave them. And the very substance that God blessed them with became the thing that their world revolved around. It became the thing that they bowed down to. It became the thing that they focused on. It became the thing that they worshipped. It became the thing that the camp centered on. It became the thing that they thought about. It became the thing that they looked after. It became the thing that they prayed to. It became the thing that they became dependent upon. It became the thing that they looked towards. It became the thing that they wanted. And it's literally based there. And this is the war that is in all of our lives, as God says. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, "You you will have one of two masters. You know what he says one of those other masters will be? He said, me or money. And out of this, he said, what you have to understand about this is that the thing that's going to compete for your heart is the very gold that I would like to give you. And so out of this... Um, we see a world that is constantly evolved around money. How can I make more of it? When I don't have enough of it, I freak out and I panic and I'm, I'm curious and I'm wondering and I'm thinking about it all the time, how much money is in the account, I'm checking the money all the time, I'm looking at the account, I'm looking at the credit card and then I'm shopping on eBay and then I'm looking at all the deals, I'm on StockX, I'm on all these types of things, checking these things, constantly looking, how can I get more, how can I make more, how can I do more, how can I do this? And without even thinking about it, our world is centered around the golden calf more than it is centered around God. And instead of the tabernacle being the focus of my life, what has happened is, is this thing has become the very thing that my life evolves around. And the love of money is not just something that like rich people coming in and being like, let me count my Benjamins today. That's not the love of money. The love of money is I'm always thinking about it. What you? I remember when I fell in love with my, my wife for the first time. She made my liver quiver. Uh, like I would literally walk through a parking garage and scream at the top of my lungs. I love this woman, and would still do it today. In fact, I'll do. It, I love this woman. Uh, like all of those. Like seriously. Seriously, like I love my kids. Last night I'm texting Tyler, and I'm like, I'd like to get my kids some some sneakers, but I have no idea. I'm not a sneaker guy. These are the nicest pairs I own, sixty-seven dollars. So, out, well, is that true? I got a pair of uh, uh, On Clouds, uh, so they they I think they cost more. Uh, so, but but anyway, but they're great to walk in. Uh, which, by the way, I was walking the other day, and I had to run um, to run home. Like I was supposed to meet somebody at the house, and they called me and they're like we're here where are you I'm like I'm a mile away and I had to run which once again if you ever see me running pull over because I really do need something <laughs> like there is a problem in my life if you see me running because my own clouds are for walking not running so that would have helped if I had had a church member nearby who had learned that lesson but but anyway we, we see all of these types of things kind of come but like even in my children's life I'm, I'm looking to bless my children Uh, I'm looking to to come in their life and and bless my children. And so uh, with God, it's it's the same type of thing of he wants us in this place where we are blessed, but we can't be in this place where our world is constantly revolving around money. Uh, That we are to trust in the living God uh, who gives to us all things richly. Now, we see uh, so many parables about this. Uh, let's go over and look at some of the stories, though, that are in the, the New Testament, uh, and we'll look at the, some of these things as warnings, and then we'll come back uh, and just give the, God thanks. Uh, Luke chapter 18, and let's look at verse 18. And then we'll look at Luke 19, and then we'll close. Luke 18, verse 18. Verse 18. This is the story of the rich young ruler. A ruler questioned Jesus, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. All of these things I've kept from my youth, he said. And Jesus heard this, he said unto him, One thing you, and that's important, You, not the body of Christ, you, still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor. You have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in God's kingdom. Um, now, we're going to read the rest of this, but somebody says, well, does that mean if people have money, they can enter into God's kingdom? No, because some people in here already have money and you're in God's kingdom. <laughs> so it's what he's saying is, is that money becomes a thing like the rich young ruler here that our lives begin to revolve around. And we begin to look to it more and more and more and more. And all we're thinking about is if I had more money and if I won the lottery and what life would be like if I just made $10,000 more, if I just got the bonus. And we're constantly thinking about money, 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 money. And our world is revolving around the promised land without actually being in it. And we're so mindful of the melons in Egypt that we're not thinking about the temple of the presence of God that's literally right there. And we're forgetting about a God who, like, has so sustained us, even while we're not in the promised land, has so sustained us all of these years, carrying us through and meeting our needs and satisfying our desires. And and so, with the rich young ruler, he has all of these things that people think they want. He has money, he has power, he has youth, he has all of these things, but he walks away sad. That even though he has all of these things, he's walking away sad. And it's so funny how the Bible phrases it. He walks away sad because he's extremely wealthy. (laughs) Um, And so that just proves that if you have money, it doesn't make you happy. You could be Pharaoh and still not happy. You could be Saul, like we talked about this morning, and still not happy. Um, But we see that this guy's life revolved around money, and Jesus knew it. And so he looks at his heart, and he's like, man, you've kept all these commandments, and uh, that's wonderful, but one thing you lack is this. This money has complete control of you. And he's like, for you to follow me, I want you to sell it all. Now, imagine if I did the altar call that way. It's like, who wants to be a Christian today? Everybody raises their hands. Like, I want to be a Christian. It's like, great. All you have to do is sell your house, your car, your clothes, all your possessions, and then come follow us. I wonder how many people would be indexed next, next Sunday. Uh, you know, and these types of things. So, like, before you judge him, think about if the Lord asks you to do that. And what if he is? Because the essence of all kingship is stewardship. That none of this is mine. Um, and at any time, he can ask for any of it, and I'll give it to him. And that's what God is contending for. And so out of this, um, um, when he says this, uh, his disciples are standing there and watch what they say. Uh, When the disciples heard it, verse 26, they're like, then who then can be saved? Notice what they didn't say. It's like, yeah, I'll tell you what, all these rich people, they're going to hell. Like, I'll just tell you right now, they're all going to hell. They get concerned and they're like, whoa, 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 like who can be saved? And he said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. And Peter said, behold, Lord, we have left our own homes and we followed you. And he said unto them, truly, I say unto you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents. Notice the kingdom of God, sometimes to enter it will cost you something. And I've seen this in other nations where literally people had to walk away from family uh, in order to walk into the kingdom that their family and like completely disowned them when they came to Jesus. And Jesus says, I know this will happen in the lives of people when you come to follow me. But watch what he says. Truly I say unto you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come eternal life. Notice, it's not just in the sweet by and by, but also at this time. So he says, whatever you give up for God, it's like, it's not like this thing that you've lost. It's a seed that you've sown. And out of this seed, God will bless you with this. You give up family, God will surround you with family. You give up friends for his kingdom, God will surround you with friends. You give up resources, God will surround you with resources. But what he's wanting is this humble submission of the heart where you lay it all down for him. That it's like God can put the ring on your finger, but you know the ring on your finger, it does not belong to you. I will give it to anybody the Lord tells me to give it to because I love him more than I love the ring. I love him more than I love the car. I love him more than I love the podium or the pulpit or the church. I love him more than I love the resources or those types of things. I'm blessed to be able to have them, but I do not live for them. I enjoy them, but I do not live for them. I'm thankful for the honey, but I I knew how to survive in a wilderness. You should have seen me in the wilderness. Like I I knew, I know God is with me and having God with me is more important than any of this stuff. So I enjoy the stuff and I'll make the most of stuff, but I don't live for it. And I don't daydream of it. And I don't have my camp circle it. A lot of people have taken this and it's like, see, in order to be a Christian, you got to be poor. You got to give everything you own. Well, that's not true at all. Because notice what happens over here in Luke chapter 19. Uh, Luke chapter 19, same type of thing. Uh, in verse number one, he entered Jericho and was passing through and there was a man ca- called, of, of Zac- a man by the name of Zacchaeus, And he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. And so he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was uh, about to pass that way. And Jesus came to the place, and he looked up and said unto him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. I love that. Uh, you've got someone who's lived a life of sin, and Jesus is like, you know what I want to do today? I want to come into your house. Amen. I don't want you to just come to mine. I want to come into yours. And he invades his life, and verse 6, and he hurriedly and came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, he has gone into, to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, behold, Lord... Half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, "Today salvation has come to your house because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now, do you see what Jesus is doing? He's like, I love it. He's like, salvation has come to your house. Notice what he didn't say. No, no, no. You can't give half. You got to give everything. He's like, rich young ruler had to give everything. You got to give everything. He's like, I'll, I'll give half. and But do you see the difference between him and the rich young ruler? Here with no compulsion, no taskmaster. No one making him. Zacchaeus has had an encounter with Jesus, and he's like, You know what I want to do? I want to be a blessing. You know what I want to do? I want to start right now, and I want to bless some people, and I want to be good to some people, and I want to come, and I want to leverage every bit of my life for God and your kingdom. And God is like, I love it. This is exactly what I'm shooting for. Because with God, it's not about 10%, and people question tithing today. I don't care. All those types of things, it's not about tithing, it's not about 10%, it's not about half, it's not about all. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. It's coming back and saying, like, out of this, God, you have all of me. Like, you have my morning. You have 12 o'clock, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. You want me to pray now? I'll pray now. You want me to give that? I'll give that. You want me to give me 10? I'll give you 10. You want me to give 12? I'll give 12. 20? Great. Half? Yes. All? Everything? Yes. I'll lay it all down. I'll sell a house. I'll give it. Like, you have that kind of heart. God's like, that's exactly what I'm shooting for. And so out of this, God is coming to us and he is saying, like, I want you to know my heart's desire for you is to eat the good of the land. My heart's desire for you is to be provided uh, for and for you to have desires. And there's nothing wrong with that. I I, want to close this message with this by saying, like, some of you who may be on the other side of the ditch of like, like, God doesn't want me to have anything. I want you to pick something, a desire. And I want you to come to your father. Because one of the chief ways I demonstrate my love for my children is meeting their desires. That in giving them what I give them, it is not just giving them a gift, but it is showing them my love. And one of the chief ways, God has given me things that when he gave them to me, I wept. Seriously. Wept. I've got a a coat. I walked in, uh, uh, I get my haircut at a store that has clothes in it. It's weird, Uh, but it works. (laughs) And uh, so I I go there and get my haircut. And they have, I was waiting one day to, to get my haircut. And I'm walking by these jackets. I'm like, that's a beautiful jacket, like a sports coat. And I go up to it and I look at the price and I'm like, when the kids are out of college. Uh, And it was nice. And um, I looked at it and I said, you know, Father, I would like to have that. And I know it's so dumb, but you clothe the birds. And you said even Solomon and all of his glory was not clothed like unto them. And if you would clothe the birds, how much more would you clothe me? A couple of weeks go by. I got a buddy of mine. He called me. He's like, hey, my son wants to be water baptized. He wants you to water baptize him. Will you be willing to do that? I'm like, sure. Just tell me when. And he tells me a date. and I go over there and I go water baptize my, uh, you know, my friend's son. And after it, he's like, we wanted to give you something. And I'm like, okay. And he hands me a gift certificate to this store. And he says, I saw a coat there. And he said, it cost this amount, and it looked like this. It was, kid you not, the exact coat I told the Lord I wanted. That's the truth. And every time I go and wear that jacket, I literally tear up. Because the jacket means nothing. But me knowing I am not fatherless. Oh, oh. means everything and God wants to show you his fatherhood and he wants you to be ready to distribute and he wants you to like nothing owns you but he also wants you to see that he is the father of lights who gives to his children all things richly that you may enjoy them will it help you run your race ask for it Will it give you peace? Ask for it. Will it, would it help bring you into provision? Ask for it. Will it would move things in your life? Ask for it. But when he asks for something too, give it to him. And never let your life revolve around the golden calf. And before you ever get to that place where you ever have it around the golden calf, you come and you submit it to the Lord. This I I said. I'd close with. I'll close with one more story. In the book of Exodus, you see God after He gives them the silver and the gold. He tells them, "I want you to do something." He said, "I want you to make a promise to me." I love this. He said, "I want you to. I want you make a promise with me." I wish they would have done it. He gives them the silver and the gold. They're going out of Egypt, and he said, "From here on out, every time." Every time your livestock has a a flock. I want you to give the first unto me as a sacrifice. And they're like, just kill it. He's like, yep. And like, who's going to eat of it? Like nobody, just kill it. And he said, your sons and your daughters are going to come to you. And they're going to ask you, why are you wasting this? And he said, I want you to tell them this. That your mama and your daddy were slaves when the Lord found us. And he came with a mighty hand. And he delivered us out of bondage. And he brought us over into a land of promise. He sent water from rocks. He provided a cloud in the day. A fire by night. And this is why you see us offer this unto the Lord is because our hearts know without him, we wouldn't have any of it. And I guarantee you, if people saw what we gave, and I've often thought about this with my sons and with my daughter, of like I want you to see what we do. It's like, why would you give that to a church? Why would you give that to a missionary? Why would you give that to that? And you would I would be able to tell them, If you would have seen me, if you would have seen your daddy alone, broken, afraid, if you would have seen him angry, hitting walls because his father died, if you would have seen him walk through fire, if you would have seen him literally stand on God's word and see what God has done. How could you not? In all of this giving that we do, it comes to a place of just showing the Lord, I love you more and I honor you. And God coming to us and saying like, come here, child, what do you want? What do you see? I can give it through a water baptism. (laughs) I can give it through a stranger. I can give it through a preacher. I can give it through a business deal. Just, just come to me. Unload your heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I want to take care of you. Let me take care of you. I want to be good to you. Let me be good to you. And relax in his fatherhood. Amen. Let's stand our feet. Let's worship the Lord. Father, we come before you tonight. And we just thank you, Lord, for the beauty of your presence. The power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we just thank you as we end in worship and song tonight that each one of us would come to a place of offering our life as a living sacrifice. That we do not seek possessions. That we would not trade you for silver or for gold. We would not trade you for riches untold. We would not trade you for fame or wealth. We would not trade you. That, Father, our hearts are yours. And so are our desires. And so, Father, we offer them all to you. And we thank you for bringing us into a land that flows with milk and honey. That we're not forcing provision. Provision is flowing. That we're not forcing your hand. Your hand is flowing. And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that your fatherhood is flowing. Father, I thank you. There are people in here who are just burdened by debt, some of it college debt, some of it credit card debt. Father, I just thank you. Your fatherhood is flowing. Father, I thank you. So many people here have needs or desires, and I just thank you, Father, your fatherhood is flowing. That, Father, you are our provider and you are our source. And, Father, we thank you that you move heaven and earth to show your goodness and your grace to your people. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord.